about this and that, but I promise you, you guys have no idea what it's about. Okay, because I'll tell you this, because the whole purpose of this message is not just for me to just preach something and just give you guys something good, even though it's going to be good. But the purpose of it is so God can fill you up with his love. And for you guys to put like, oh, I already know what that's like, then you guys are missing the point. And so it's kind of like this adventure that we're embarking on this new month, this new series. And we're saying, God, I don't know what I know about your love. I just want to experience it. And at the end of service, we're going to give you guys the time, opportunity again to go ahead and just jump in the river of God and just feel his love. Embrace it. It's a real love. And you guys are going to feel it for those who want it. I'm telling you, this is what it's about. So it's just me giving you this word, and then the rest depends on you going out and get it. Going out and get it. Before I start this, um, turn the slide, the Bible says this, that you can enter his throne room boldly. You can enter it boldly. And if you guys didn't know anything about the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, you know, they had a tabernacle. God's people, when they would move, there would be a cloud by day and a, and a pillar of fire by night that would go with them to show, man, that's God there moving with us and going with us. So they had that confidence because they can see it. And they had this tabernacle, and they set it up, and they built it at certain dimensions, and it had to be specific because God would fill it. You know, his presence would come down on it. Okay, and that kind of shows today in our lives we have to get things in order. Because God's going to come down and he sets things in order. And in order for us to work, we can't go out and say we love God and then go out and curse our parents out or go out and sleep with our, our, our girlfriends or boyfriends. God's going to fill you up. The Bible says that your body's a temple. He's going to fill you up. And it's when you guys get things in order. Okay? So going back to that story, the Bible says that they, the, the people of Israel, they built this tabernacle and, and it's separated. They're called the, the holy place, the holy of holies, you know, in the outer courts. The Holy of Holies is where they had the Ark of the Covenant. And inside the Ark of the Covenant, they had Aaron's staff, Moses' staff, okay? They had the Ten Commandments. They had manna, okay? And they had these different things and their artifacts that just showed that when God brought the people out of Egypt, he was faithful to them, okay? And so here's the thing. In order for you to go inside that Holy of Holy place, you had to be, you can only go in there one time a year. And not just any Joe Schmo can go in there, all right? Because if you went in there to the Holy of Holies, where God's presence dwelt, I'm talking about if you follow that pillar of fire down to the tabernacle, that's where it, the pillar of fire ended right there. At that room, the Holy of Holies, God's presence was there. The Bible says if you were to walk in there, you'd drop dead. If you had sin in your life, you'd drop dead. And so one priest would go in there at a certain time of the year, and they would tie a rope around his leg and attach a bell to it. Because if that priest wasn't living holy before the Lord, no one, without holiness, no one will see God. That man will fall dead. And so as he's walking in, you can hear him. And if you didn't hear a thing, he died. He wasn't living right before God. And so, guys, the Bible says today you can enter his throne room boldly. You don't have to be afraid. Because sometimes we just, we, we step back and we're like, I don't know. I get, guys, get things in order, but just come to God just because you want to be with him. I want to give you the opportunity at the end of the service. Amen. It's the time of worship. We just got to drink in. Adam, what are we going to drink? It's just drinking God's love. How do I do that? Just embrace him. Amen. Amen. Come on. What is crazy love? 
Okay, I started putting some of these things on Facebook. And if you guys have a Facebook page, go ahead and hit up the page and say things like, oh, man, this is what we're taking pictures. So if you guys look funny, you guys are going to find your funny pictures on Facebook. We're going to post it up for the world to see because we're crazy. Amen. Praise God. So what is crazy love? Anybody have an idea? Just by a show of hands, go ahead and raise your hand if you have an idea. What is crazy love? You guys are afraid, but I probably everybody has an idea. What is crazy love? So you know what? Before we get into what crazy love is, let's go into definition. Love. I looked up on the Internet just the definition of love, and this is what came out. It was a noun and a verb. A profound, tender, passionate affection for another person. To have profoundly tender, passionate affection for another person. So that's what I found. You know, we can find it. It's like, I don't what is that? Okay. But in, in the Greek, if you take down the word love, and the New Testament is written in Greek, okay? We have it translated to English so that we can read it. But the original translation, what they were reading is, was the Greek, okay? And so the Greek, they spread it out. Or they separate that word a little bit more in depth so you guys can understand. Because when I say I love my mom, and it's not the same kind of love when I say I love these bag of hot Cheetos. Come on, somebody's laughing over here. So check it out. I don't love my mom with the same amount of love that I love for hot Cheetos. All right, there's something more to it. And so the Greek trying to give you that that explanation. Agape. Everybody in the count of three say agape. One, two, three. Agape. Agape love. Whenever the Bible talks about God loving us, the love that God has for us, it's talking about agape love. And when the Bible talks about you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You should love your neighbor as yourself. Guess what? That same word, love your neighbor as yourself, is using that word right there. Okay? So what does that word agape mean? It says unconditional, self-sacrificing love, a selfless love, a love that is passionately committed to the well-being of the other. Agape love is love because of what it does, not because of how it feels. I'm so glad today that I'm here before you guys and say God loves me with this kind of love. And you guys should be grateful too because if he just loved you by how we felt or what you do, I mean, he wouldn't love us at all. Because the Bible says since the beginning we fell short of the glory of God. But right there, agape love is love because of what it does, not because of how it feels. Selfless. You start thinking about Jesus Christ, that act that he did on the cross when he, when he hung there. I like this good quote. It's not in the Bible, but people say it. What held Jesus onto the cross wasn't the nine-inch cast iron nails, but it was love. Love held Jesus Christ on that cross. Amen. The next form of love is called phileo. Everybody say phileo. Phileo, not phileo fish, but phileo talking about brotherly love, okay? Not in the sense of family, but kinship, a strong friendship. I love Adolfo. That, that's my brother, okay? I love Adolfo. Ooh. It's not the same kind of love when I have my wife here. I love my wife, right? It's a family, kinship, a strong friendship. So it's cool to say, man, man, dude, I love you. Adolfo, I love you. Okay, see, there it is. He loves me back. Okay, so that's phileo. And going on the last one, arrows, the shortest definition I put up there. Passionate love, sensual desires, and we're moving on after that. Okay? But really quick, passionate love. You know, <laughs> she's going down there quick. I'm just I was playing around with him, but. Eros, passion, love, sensual desires. We're not going to talk about that. We're, let's get it on. It's not going to happen at all. I mean, if you guys are curious, you guys should ask the questions. We'll talk about it next week. But that's another form of love when it says, I love you, okay? So that's the kind of love that's talking about right there. We'll get into that when you're older. Praise God. What is crazy love? 
Okay? And now here, what you're looking at on the screen, here are some common verses that automatically, right off the bat, when we talk about Christianity, people will just start dropping verses. If you ever go on a witnessing, especially like in Mardi Gras, which we're going by like in 26 days, right? 26 days, we're going out to Mardi Gras. And a lot of people profess they know Jesus Christ. Oh, do you know who Jesus Christ is? Do you know the love of God? Oh, yeah, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave us one and only son, that whoever believes in him, hallelujah. What? And seriously, it will go like that because sometimes they're drunk. They can't even, like, they're, they're trying to stand. It's a challenge for them. But everybody knows it, whether you're Christian or not. People can quote this verse. It's famous. It's popular. The whole purpose of the Bible, from the beginning to the end, the climax, it points back to this verse. I mean, that's why it's a popular verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the message of the gospel summed up for you in one right there. In 1 John 3.16, there's something about 3.16 where it says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And you guys are sitting in your seat, just sitting back there and just like, Adam, I know this. I understand this. What are we going to talk about? Like, give me something new. And my friends, and if that's your heart, and if even maybe you're a leader here, or maybe you're one-on-one, or maybe you've never been to church, but it's just like, I even know that. This is my first time coming here, but I even know that. And you're just like, where, where is it? I'm afraid you're missing the point. Here, how about this? What comes to your mind when you see God? When you see that word right there, G-O-D, what comes to your mind? Oh, he's God. He's the God in the Bible. You know, get my life to him back in the day. You know, I go to church, or, man, you know what? People talk about him. My family has him. I hang him up on the wall, the cross. That's who God is. My friend, if what comes to your mind is just, oh, God, then you're missing the point. And this is what we're trying to talk about with this whole series of crazy love. Because something happened when God came down in the form of a man and was dwelt among man, okay, And he went up, and he took up our infirmities, he took up our sickness, he took up our sins, and he died on the cross. I mean, to think about it, that is just crazy. That is the most outstanding form of love that we can ever think of or we can ever put in words. People call it the greatest love story. And when we see this word, God, is it just, that's God. Have we lost our sense of awe of God? You know, a man once said he went to his 20th um, year high school reunion, and uh, he was with his friends, and his friends came up to him and was like, dude, is that your wife? And he's like, yeah. And basically saying, dude, she's, she's very gorgeous. Like, how did you get with her? Kind of in a sense, kind of made him feel like a little bit insecure. It's just like, man, either she's that hot or I'm that ugly. Like, what's going on? And so he just started thinking, like, well, yeah, okay. And people saw her for the first time, and... And so he's just like, wow, okay. So he went back home, and he said that he was looking through photos, and he said that, you know what, I'm going to look at it objectively. Like, if I've never met this couple, talking about himself and his wife in the picture, like, I've never met them, and I'm going to see what happens, what comes to mind. Let's see if she is. And he looks at it, and he notices, wow, she's very attractive. Wow, she is gorgeous. Wow, she is hot. Hallelujah. And he was saying that to himself, but he said that 14 years of marriage – he kind of lost that. When he first met her, he was just like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. This woman's awesome. 
And they were doing things just like when you do things and you, it's amazing, you just want to do it. And for some of us, we can do that with God in the church. When we get saved, it's just what God did in our lives. We just, oh my gosh. I remember personally from my own testimony when I came up and I got prayed for. God rocked my heart, crying, speaking in tongues, and just saying, God, I never, and I went back home and I was praising God and I was rejoicing. I couldn't sleep. I had to read the word because I couldn't get enough of him. But for some of us who've been in the church, been serving, or maybe you just, you heard enough about him. We've done that to God. Well, he's lost that sense that, man, that's God. It should bring back a sense of awe and wonder. Man, that is the one who gave up his life for me. Have we lost that? It's not because you need to read more. Or it's not because you need to do more like Christian works, like come to church more or sing more. It's that love relationship that you have with God. It's a love relationship because you know what? A relationship takes two. You see, God went in this thing loving you from the beginning, and he loved you, and he gave his life for you. But if that just becomes something that becomes natural to us or something that we just become accustomed to we become comfortable with like that man he said when he went back and he looked at it just pretending like i've never met wow she blows me away does god blow you away today does he do that i mean does he do that to you when you when you sit down and you think about it when you open up the word does it bring back those times when you just said god just me and you I want you to think about that as this as this sermon goes on, as we keep on talking. But moving forward, the love of a father. Now the Bible, God, He's He's three persons, okay? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three separate persons, all one God. Okay? You guys gotta understand that. That's good theology right there. Alright? But it talks about God the Father, and it's always hard to talk about God the Father because automatically when we talk about the Father, we automatically bring up our earthly father and some of the characteristics that were, were that our father, our earthly father had. And those characteristics that we have of our dads here on this earth get imposed on God. And they, they get forced on him, and somehow we think of God that way as our father here on, on earth. I'll tell you what, growing up I had a, an awesome relationship with my father, I wasn't always just talking me and hey dad, how is it going fishing? It was more like okay, hey dad, love you dad. Just once, once in a time, we just say hey, how are you doing? No, not in the sense like I ignore him, but just him coming up saying I love you son. That's all. You just go by and just. And I remember growing up, uh, me and my brother were very competitive. We were very athletic, and one of the things that you know I, I got into at an early age was uh, sports and baseball and and doing better. And it always seems my dad was my biggest fan. Okay, he would come to every single game like this. He was faithful to it. Like, he was there. Like, I'm going to come to Adam's game. And I remember playing the games and doing everything just to show off for Dad because he was there. Because afterwards, on the car ride home, he said, man, you, you messed that one up. You got to get faster. You got to do this. And, and always just in a sense that my relationship, what it kind of seemed it was going, is just like trying to please my dad whenever it came to sports. And just in life, I noticed that that same mindset was taken in anything that I would do. I was just trying to please dad, trying to do it right. And I was just like, well, that wasn't good enough. And now with God, when I think about God the Father, the same characteristics, the same things when I think about my dad, I've taken and put on God. And then when I come in my prayer closet, I'm just talking, just like, man, I didn't pray enough. I've got to do something more. Like, man, he's not pleased with me right now. Sometimes we get this, this feeling that 
you're not enough. Like this, this so, you got to do much more. But if you ever wonder the relationship a father has with his child, I was seeing it the other day. Um, it's 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 awesome. It's just like the son can come up or the daughter can come up and just come into dad's arms. And, you know, just picture a child, you know, coming up maybe two, three years old, and they just want to be with dad. And they'd run up, and dad would just embrace them and pick them up and just, I love you. In that, when you're just with dad, it's, it's, it's a sense of security. It's a sense of comfort. It's that sense of just like intimacy. This is, this is me and dad. So I just want to be with him. Is your prayer life like that? Is it just, when I pray, I'm just not, okay, God, I got to pray. I got I to gotta do this. I got to speak in tongues for an hour first, and then I got to come to you, and then I got to do this, and then I got to lift up this because I told so-and-so I'll pray for them. And you're just all these, but has it become a custom in prayer, or is it that time when you say, I just want to be with Dad. Dad, wrap me in your arms. And you draw yourself to an intimate place with God. The love of the Father. Because if you read the Bible, it talks about His great and outstanding love for you. God the Father is not the same as God here on earth. Or our Father here on earth. I'm sorry to say. And right now, if you've done that, if you've taken what you thought of your earthly father and imposed that on God, that's not who He is. And maybe that's the reason why it's hard for you to draw closer. Because when you, when you think of God, you think about the people in your life that, were, that maybe have been your, your guardians or your parents. And just like, well, you get a sense that maybe God's like that. But he's not like that. His love for you is so great. I mean, some of you guys may not grew up without a father. I have the privilege of having my father here alive with me today. Some of you, he, he died at an early age. Some of you just never knew like he left, you just want to be a part of the family. Let me tell you what. God, your Father, has never left you nor forsaken you. He is with you. You guys need to believe that. You guys need to take the hurt that you face or you experience with your earthly father and throw that to the side and say, that's not who God the Father is today. And take the, and if you go with that sense, that's, I'm just going to be with Dad. Right now, if I were to show you just a, a picture of just a father and, and, and a child just coming up, you'd see, like, man, that's cute. That's, man, that's exactly what it's like with God in you. You're his child. He loves spending time with you. He's not thinking about you. Worthless. Get out of here. You smell. Like, we can think about that. And, and, and we think about it, it's just like, I got to do all these things to please him just to, to come here with me. Stop thinking about it too much and just spend time with me. That's what he's saying. God, your father, loves you so much. Understand that. Get that. Amen? Love in action. Jesus. You know? The word love is not just a noun. And the foreign is just sitting there. Something that we have. It's an action. Something that happens. Something that we do. Amen? Love and action. When you think about the story of Jesus Christ, how God loved us so much, I mean, he's, guys, he's seated on his throne, and he created it. He's above all this because he's God. He spoke everything into a being, and he sits above it, and he sees when man fell. And you would have thought that, dude, they, they know. I told them specifically, do not eat from that sheep because when you eat of it, you will surely die. I told them. They did I not tell them angels. I told them. 
Instead of getting like that, God came down in the form of a man. Came, dwelt among men. And came. He didn't come to the people that were in church. As a matter of fact, the people who were in church were the ones who were persecuting him. Read about the story of Jesus Christ, the Pharisees, the religious people. They were out there like, they were out to get him. And they were the ones that wanted him dead and the ones who got him killed. He came to the hurt. He came to the lost. He came to those who were desperate, those who were hungry. And I'm not saying that you guys in this place are the ones that are like the desperate and hungry ones because you guys are looking at yourself, well, I'm not a, you're not a beggar. I'm not some like prostitute, somebody selling my, my body for money. I'm not like that. But I tell you what, throughout life, situations has happened and things have been said to you or you've just gone through things where it caused you to just separate yourself from people that you love. And God, knowing that, instead of saying, you know what, you deserved it. You got yourself in that situation. Love and action. Jesus Christ came down. And it got to the point, the, the, the climax, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And this is how we know what love is. Christ, Jesus laid down his life for us. It's in action, not just words. How many of us give God a lot of lip service, but when it comes to love and action... Our lifestyle or what we say to what we do doesn't even compare. Or how about this? Love in action, but why would you feel it? It's not just a habit or a pattern that you're doing. You know, because sometimes it's love in action. Well, I go to church. Well, I serve. Well, I wake up. I go to Bible college and I pray. I feel tingles and that's it. But isn't there so much more to it? And I'm not saying that what you guys are doing is not enough, but what I'm saying is draw your mind back to just being with God and what He did for you. It takes you back to a place where just intimacy, you and God. And I love the story when Jesus came back and we talked about it. When He came back and He was with the disciples, I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself, and I want to ask you guys this. You go back to love and action. Just ask yourself this. You guys can read along. If you can have heaven with no sickness, no pain, all the friends you ever had, and all the activities you ever enjoyed, but Jesus wasn't there, could you be satisfied? Are you really in love with Jesus or just the things he offers? Think about that. If Jesus wasn't there, but you could have everything, that sounds pretty good. I'm, yep, I'd want it. You're missing the point. The reason you want to be in heaven is because he's there. Because the one who loves you, God is love, the Bible says. I mean, that's the reason why we go. It's not because material possessions are things that we, we can get out of God or being in a relationship. Oh, yeah, I want to come to God because he promised me a wife. You're missing the point. That comes after being in a relationship and getting satisfied with God. You're not coming to God just because I want to be blessed and I want to have things and I want to get in. No, that comes after a relationship when you're pressing in and spending time in prayer and saying, God, I just enjoy who you are. I just enjoy this time right now. Do we even pray like that? Or is it just one of these things when we pray, all we know to pray is just, I'm praying for my food. And when someone dies, oh, I'm praying for the family. Or when someone needs a job, God, would you bless them? Is there ever a time where you just reflect and just say, Close the door, and this is what I encourage you guys to get into your house, go to your room, close the door, and just say, God, it's just me and you. Just me and you. And have a sense and just start, I can come before you boldly. Jesus, and I'm telling you, God will come and 
to that very place and meet you. This Holy Spirit, His presence will fall on you. And it's intimacy. And at those times, you're just going to be like, God, you're just going to enjoy it because it's your Father. Your Father, He's not going to reject you. He's going to bring you in. Jesus Christ. And He came and He demonstrated that love, love in action. But ask yourself, is all that worth it? If I can have all that but Jesus is not there, I don't even want it. I don't want it. And and, and I like the story, that going back to the, the story of the disciples. I, I like it because, I mean, they had Jesus with them, right? You read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, okay, and then they have John. If you read those four, you can start seeing what, what God did in the lives of people, how he was going out. He was setting the captive free. He was like laying hands on people. He was healing people. He was casting out demons. I mean, Jesus' life, there was always something fun around God. There was something always happening. When you're with Jesus Christ, it's like, oh, man, dude, something's going to happen. Last time he casted out legion. That one guy, yeah, that one guy, follow him. And there were crowds following him. And if so much can be happening around God at that time, why is it in a sense when we think of Jesus, it's just become a habit or a norm? But is there something going on with Jesus every day? The Bible says that he's at the right hand of the Father interceding for you. So he's thinking about you. He's talking about you. Guys, let's break out of that just mentality where it's just, oh, it's just, it's just a habit. No, there's something always happening with Jesus. And it's in that secret time. It's in that quiet place where you draw closer to God. But I like this story. Jesus and the disciples and, you know, he was with them for three years. Jesus had a ministry about three years when he was 30 to 33 when he died. And he was doing awesome things. And you've got to believe the relationship he built up with the disciples were awesome, even though despite the fact that they rejected him, that despite the fact that they didn't believe at times. Because then the Bible say that, oh, you of little faith. You know, Jesus is doing awesome things. He just finished casting out demons. And Jesus said, like, can we do, oh, ye of little faith. Wouldn't you feel like if you're around somebody and doesn't keep on believing in that you did something, it's just like, can you really do that? Or, or is, is that even possible? It's like, I just told you it's, it's possible. I just did it. Can you do it? You be, when you're around those people, it's just like, ah, get away. You don't want, like, negative bringing you down all the time. You just want them away. But Jesus Christ and his disciples, how he came back, he came and he, and he showed himself that he was real. And the Bible talks about the different translations and the different perspectives that these, these men of God, they write. You see what happens. And I like the story um, found in Matthew 28. 28 verse 9, it says this. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And here it is. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Leilani, come on up. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. And some of you guys are saying, man, I don't, I, don't, I don't get it, okay? I don't know if you've ever um, been through experiences when loved ones, I'm talking about people that you love. I'm talking about you love this person. I don't know if you ever had an experience where you've, you thought someone was going to pass in. And I'll share uh, a kind of personal moment that happened in, in my life. And um, I'll share it. Uh, there was a point in time where... Uh, I was coming back from a, a, a basketball game, my brother and my sister, and it was my mom, and we just moved into this new house, and uh, um, we were coming back, we went out to get something to eat, and we were parked in the car, and 
mom drops me and my sister Amanda off early. And so we get inside the house and we go downstairs and we're just chilling, waiting. And we're just like, okay, we're looking. Like automatically, like there's a habit. Like mom would come in after with Orlando, just make sure everything would close right. And it was about five minutes. We we're just like, what's going on? And it was, it was snowing a little bit. And, and I remember, just to keep a long story short, what happened was this. When we walked in, my, my mom never does this, but for that day, she parked the car facing inward to the back. Um, she couldn't see if someone was coming in, and there were two men that were at the end of the alley watching the whole entire time and waiting to, to rob um, my, my mom and my brother. And these men get out the car, and as my mom and my, my brother get out the car, they see these two men just like, it startles them, and they tell the story now because, you know, it's in the past. And, you know, God has healed their heart. But um, these men come up, and she notices, oh, can we help you? The first thing, give me your wallet. And it's just like, whoa. And he pulls out a gun, and he has it. And so I'm in the house at this time. It's just like, Mom and Dad are taking it forever. And um, all I remember is that when I said that, my aunt goes to the door, and she's running it back, and she's at the top of her voice, call 911, call 911. And so what happens, what she saw, I'll tell you right now, what ended up happening, those two men, my, my mom was like, and she was crying at this point because she was startled. She was in the moment. She was, oh, my gosh, like, don't kill, don't kill my son, kill me. That's the first thing she said because she saw the gun. It's like, these guys are going to shoot us, leave us dead. No one's here. Don't kill my son. Shoot me. And she's yelling that out. And then my brother is just like, no, no, don't, don't kill my mom. Kill me. Kill me. You know, shoot me first. And my mom is just like, oh, my gosh. Things are going crazy. They're taking things from her. And they're grabbing my mom and they're bringing her in the corner and putting her there. And this guy's about to shoot her. When a man comes in the alley, a car comes in. And mind you, we just moved into this new house. So no one knew where we lived. I mean, we had no time to invite people over. And so there were people from our church, people from our church who were lost. They were on their way home. They lived um, um, not too far, um, but they were lost because of the snow and there was traffic. So they were thinking they were taking shortcuts and they were doing everything this way, this way, that way. And they don't know how they got there at that point. When he drove up, he said, hey, Yolanda, is everything fine? And he noticed and he sees the gun. He speeds off, pulls around the corner, calls the cops. These men become afraid and they run mom lived but as a young child remembers in sixth grade everything unfolding your mind starts racing you don't think about it. it's like oh my gosh like did that just happen and then it started to settle in at the end i could have lost my mom and i went to a place and i cried i was just crying i could have lost my mom i could have lost my mom i just like thinking about her funeral all these different things and it broke my heart and i tell you what when i got out of that little that, that time where it's just like, I could have lost. And I went out and I saw my mom. I ran to her and I squeezed her. I started kissing her head. I was like, Mom, I love you. Mom, I love you. Mom, I love you. Mom, I love you. She came she said, I love you too. But I remember the thought of losing her just hear Jesus and the disciples. Jesus died. He gave up his life. These men, the disciples, saw Jesus Christ, and they're just like, Messiah, the teacher, he's died. You better believe they were just, they had their heads down. It's just like, it's not making sense. It's not making sense. He said he would come, and he would set people free. 
He did awesome things. It's not making sense. And, and when he comes, he comes back to disciples and he tells them this message. Go out and preach the word. Baptizing all in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he gives them that. And it's the same chapter later on in the passage. But here before that, it said that suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, they said. He said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. We miss out. When they did that, you better believe, when they went to Jesus' feet, it's like, I'm not letting you go. I'm not losing you again. I'm holding on to you. Do we do that today with God? An attitude of prayer, everybody, just go ahead and stand on up right where you're at. It's not that we'll lose God. But have we lost that sense of it? just, I want to be with Him. He's the greatest thing that ever happened. To these disciples, it shows. They came to His feet. And they just held on to Him. The best thing that ever happened in their life, despite them rejecting, despite their failures, they said He came back and they worshipped Him at His feet. Why is it today? That we are so quick to leave your know, altar calls. Why are we just so hesitant to jump in and just say, God, I want you. When these men who were with Jesus, who saw Jesus, and yes, they had their failures as well. But they came, and when they met with God, they went to his feet, and they worshipped him. I want that to be me. I want him to get old to me. I'm preaching this to myself, and I know I'm talking to somebody here. I don't want him to get old to me, where I just go through emotion and just say, that's it. That's the height of the Christian experience. That's my relationship with God. I come to service, I walk out, and no, the Bible says that when you're with him, nothing else matters. And it's in his arms that you are changed. And some of you guys are trying to change things on your own, but you're missing the point of spending time with God. Letting Him change you. With every eyes closed and and heads bowed in this place, I speak to every hard heart. I speak to every cold heart. Wake up in Jesus' name. Rise up in Jesus' name. Guys, right now where you're at, I'm going to release you guys to just worship God and stay at His feet. But if you know that right now there's some things in your heart that you just want to just settle before you even get there because it's just bringing confusion. And the devil's such a liar because even at a time like this, he'll bring confusion to you so that you can't get deep into God. Let me just have two, we have three leaders, Adolfo, Hope, and Cynthia, come on up. Guys, we want to get this settled today. Come on, in an attitude of prayer, keep your eyes closed. Keep your eyes closed, guys. We're about to have the best time with Dad that we've ever had. So right now, if that was you, if there's just some confusion in your life, the devil is a liar, come up and just get prayer. Just say, hey, before I jump in and be with Dad, I know I can't do that because this is going to be in the back of my head. We want you to come on up and say, hey, can you pray for me? And your leaders will pray for you. And they'll be there. They'll stand in the gap with you.
But if that's no one in this place and you just want to be with God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, then we'll move on to that. Just a couple more seconds. If that's you, respond to it. Don't let the devil take what God has in store for you. Come on up, respond and say, hey, let's get this cleared. I'm going to go into God and I'm just going to just worship Him. Come on. Amen. start to envision God the Father. I'm not sure. I'm not talking about your earthly dad. Just put that to the side and just think about God the Father. How he invites you as his child to say, hey, come spend time with dad. Come with daddy. And let him just felt that. You've never felt that. And doing that even now is going to be hard. So I want to have my leaders up here stay, and then I'm going to release them. But if during a time of worship it's, it's hard for you to even feel that, I'd want you to come up to a leader and say, hey, I want to feel the love of the Father now. And for you who have been serving God just these past couple of years, or these past couple of months, you've been on it, back to the Father. Just embrace Him and just say, Dad, just me and you. I come before you boldly. Not having to meet expectations, but just spending time with you. Not because I failed you in certain aspects of my life, but because you're awesome and I just want to be with you. I want you guys to come on up and let this, this love, this crazy love just begin to fill your heart. So right now, I release everybody to come from your seats, find a place at this altar. We're going to embrace God right now. We're just going to embrace the love of the Father. And don't feel like you're too religious, too spiritual that I've done this before. No, get more of who He is. Intimacy, comfort, security. Come on, in His arms, come on. play some songs for you. Everybody in this place, when you're done getting prayed for, we're all just going to worship and love on God. And we're just going to have the music going, and we're not going to move until the music stops, but you guys just go after God.
here I'm fine. 